Hey there, it's Darius, and you're listening to a new episode of the Darius for Roo Show. And today, I have Ernest Barbaric on the podcast. He is a uh, TEDx speaker, digital marketer, and also a podcaster. And I was on his podcast, actually, uh, but that's how we know each other. And we kind of hit it off, and we kept in touch. And we talk, every now and then we talk about you know the stuff that we're working on and things, the challenges we face, and also all those kind of things. And we thought it would be great to have that type of conversation on the podcast as well. And it turned out to be um, a pretty long conversation where we discuss a lot of different things uh, that are relevant to all entrepreneurs and marketers and people who work for themselves. Because, you know, we talk about uh, reflecting and journaling and just being able to uh, improve your own self-awareness by that type of process. I thought it was really great to hear Ernest's perspective because he's had a lot of different jobs over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years and he shares all things that he that he's learned about self-awareness and the way that he goes about that process of getting to know his, himself better and how he applies that to his life and his family, he's he's married and has a kid and all those things it's really difficult, I think, when you deal with modern day life to find a balance. And for example, Ernest also, you know, talks about how he disconnects from not only the internet but just moves and just goes out of the city and goes into the nature and just reads books. Um, so if you're interested in hearing how you know another person deals with their inner battles, improve, try to improve their self-awareness, but also tries to make a, a turn their passion and you know the things they're excited about into a career. I think this episode will definitely help you to get some insight on that because uh, Ernest has been successful in doing just that, trying to turn his passion and his and the things that he is excited about into a career. And to me, that's also really exciting to see. And in this episode, because Ernest is a podcaster, he also questions me on a lot of things. So if you want to hear my perspective on the, on those things that I quickly talked about, you'll also probably find this episode really interesting. So I hope you will enjoy it, and uh, let's just jump right in. Hey, Ernest, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's really cool to connect with you uh, like this again. I love it. Yeah, man, because uh, a while back I was on your podcast. Yes, and, you were. And now uh, we finally uh, connected again, and now the roles are in reverse. <laughs> you know what's really cool about reconnecting with people is the one thing I found even with my podcast is that you interview somebody at one point in time in their life, and then a whole bunch of things happen, and then a year later they can be a completely different person. So I think it's really cool to stay in touch and kind of reconnect with some of these folks. So I'm really glad to like see some of the changes that you've made with your brand and, and, and business. And I think that's awesome. So I'm really glad to be doing this. Yeah, man. And I really, I thought we had a good connection. We talked about a lot of stuff. We share similar interests and uh, both are, you know, kind of introverted. So uh, I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, you get that feeling, right? When you talk to uh, people instantly. So I think it's great to, you know, just hear about a little bit more about what you do and your own podcast and your work, uh, the Art of Meaningful Work, right? It's your podcast title. Yes, it is, yeah. So, but let's start a little bit, uh, not at the early beginning, but uh, around college. So, sure. where did you go to college? 
So I went for a. I'll give you a. I'll give you a little bit of a background. So I'm originally from uh, Bosnia. Then I live. I'm Croatian. So mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of stuff there that happened. So because of the war, we left and we immigrated to Canada. When now, was this? In 1996. Mm, okay. So after all the wars and all that kind of stuff, we immigrated to Canada. So after. Um, we immigrated to Canada. We, I didn't. I finished school, but I didn't quite really understand the difference between college and university mm. and all this other stuff. What I really wanted to do is I wanted to build robots. Mm. And so there was one place that that came and they sent a recruiter out, and we did all this other kind of stuff. And that was Devry. And so I actually have a electronics engineering uh, technology something degree. I have a degree in science from Devry, <laughs> which is a for profit university, which wasn't that good of a choice looking back at it now. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I had I applied to a bunch of different universities. I got accepted everywhere, but the reason we chose that one because is they they actually were actually building robots and some of those kind of things in their labs. So mm-hmm. uh, after that, I so started working. How, in how the, old were you? I'm just sorry to interrupt, but uh, uh, nine. when I started going into university. Uh, and how yeah. old were you when you got to um, Canada? 16. All right. So Fif- yeah, 16. So you had to but you're you don't have an accent or anything. Oh, I <laughs> Well, I knew a little bit of English before we moved here yeah. and then I made it a point to integrate. Mm-hmm. Uh so when uh so I had a lot of Canadian friends and and so you'll you'll notice that I have a few friends as well that are from back home. that are in the city where we originally immigrated into and so some of them will still have a little bit of an accent and mm. i think some people say I, i sometimes have like a french sounding accent apparently but <laughs> most people wouldn't be able to tell no man no not at all so you went to I'm uh, like a chameleon i blend in <laughs> well that's good man i think that's what you should do uh, we're immigrants too so when we came to the netherlands from iran we also integrated and to me when i speak dutch people just you know obviously i was one I was one year old when I came here, so okay. to me it's a, a lot different. But I think I know I know people who uh, came or who immigrated, you know, in their teens. Often you hear an accent, so I think that's uh, pretty cool that you, no matter where you are, right, whether you speak well, Dutch or German or S- Spanish or whatever it is. I think so, and I mean, I have the. I don't know what it is if it's like a skill or some kind of like a weird talent. I can sound I can sound uh, like a native speaker in mm. Spanish as well and in Russian and a bunch of other languages even though I don't know them. Mm. So we went to we did this backpacking trip through Costa Rica a couple of years ago, actually a few years ago. And so I could read things that are in Spanish and it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. So we went to the <laughs> bus station where we landed and I was like, we're trying to get to this place. So I said it in Spanish out of this phrase book and he's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, cinco minutes? I don't know what's going on. So it turns out what he was telling us is that the bus was leaving behind us. So he's yeah, like, yeah. he started speaking English to me. So uh, so there is some of that kind of stuff as well. It's very chameleon-y yeah, exactly. uh, linguistic skills. Yeah, just like, <laughs> like actors or even singers. I always, I'm like, how because for instance when uh yeah. british people sing often their like accent is totally gone and they, yeah, or accent is not even it. an accent but <laughs> you know america for them american is an accent right it but, is I, and yeah. I, that's fascinating too yeah yeah, yeah. so but uh, that's cool but so you um went to the robot school <laughs> i did <laughs> i did go yeah. so for yeah. uh, just to put things into context so yeah. for our final project so we ended up building this satellite communication system using lasers and light mm. and then when i finished school it was after the dot com crashed mm. and so there was no work 
for electronics or anything electronic year related coding, all that kind of stuff. So it was in 2000, it was, I graduated in 2001 and 2001 is when everything kind of blew up. And so my first job that I could find that was in the electronics industry was at this place that built electronics for locomotives. Mm. And my job, the one that I ended up getting, I was very lucky to get it. Mm. I was, I would mix these rubber compounds and I would pour them into these plastic cups that would go onto an axle of a locomotive. And that was my job. And three months ago, I was making these like satellite communication systems. And three months later, I'm like pouring these like rubber compounds into things. And that killed me, man. Like that killed a lot of my drive. <laughs> and, um, and then I ended up getting laid off from there because okay. another company bought them. Then I got another electronics job and then another company bought those great people. So they laid everybody off. And after mm. that, I was done. Um, Parallel to all that stuff, I was building a motorcycle online community with a, with a few friends, and we were the first ones in this part of the country, maybe even this part of the continent, to actually sell online ads. Okay. And so we got I got into this stuff in, in 2000. So in 2000, when we started building it, 2001 or so, and then by 2000, I think three or four, we were selling ads and doing all these different things that, uh, that a lot of other companies weren't doing and then I got recruited because of that to work at a radio station cluster and I got canned from there and that was the last time I ever had a job and then I started my <laughs> business I start, I was so angry when yeah. I got canned I yeah. knew it was coming yeah. a month before that I had all my stuff in a box underneath yeah, yeah. the table so if I got if I decided to quit or they fired me I could just take the box and I could leave and I was done mm -hmm. So when I got canned, I was like, well, that, that now is the time. And I've been I started, I was thinking about starting a business for a long time. So the timing worked out oh. and then I launched my business the next day and I never looked back. So this is always interesting to me to l learn more about like why exactly uh, people started business. Was it something you always felt like you were supposed to do or that you always thought to yourself, you know, in the end, I'll start my own business anyway? So, well, it's, it's a, it's a, it depends. So it depends on your generation as well. So I come from a generation where my parents knew you go to school, you get a job, you stay there for 40 years, then you mm -hmm. retire and then you die eventually. Right. And somewhere in there yeah. you have kids and a house and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I was brought into. So when I got this job, when I got, when I started getting laid off from these different places through just from other companies buying them. That was kind of a bit of a reality check. And then when I got this job at the radio station cluster, it was really good money. Uh, they had a pension thing. And so my parents were really excited for that to see like, oh, you know, if you stick around here for 25 years, you'll yeah. get a retirement and pension, all this kind of stuff. And then when I got – and I was starting to get a little bit dissolution with that. And uh, when I finally got canned, I've, before that I started thinking about a business would be a really good idea and I think I could do it. And when I got canned, that was like – I'm like, this is it. This is the time. Uh, let's give it a shot and see what happens. Mm. So that was kind of part of it. I didn't really know much about necessity, right? Like necessity yeah. was one. I could have, I could have easily. Yeah. And here, here was the, here was the biggest test. So I got canned. The mm. next day, I had an interview with an agency because I was working in these uh, online sales, basically like building these online programs and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, and I went to talk to an agency, and I was speaking to their director, and they're like, "Well, you know, this is what it's like, and here's where you can start with your salary and all this kind of stuff." And everything sounded good. And in my head, I'm like, "I can't do this." And so midway through the interview, and I said, "I'm I'm really appreciate your time." I'm really sorry I can't do this. And then and then that was it and I never 
So wh- I never why? had a job why, since. Why, why? That, was, that was about 10 years ago. <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, why? why? Why did you feel have that feeling? Well, Where did it come, come from? Well, look. You know, it's interesting. So my wife works for, for a company called WestJet, which is an airline company. They have an amazing culture. She tells me about how her leaders support her and they do all these awesome things. They have a mentor and coaching and they do some really cool things. I've never had that experience. And for me, it was always like uh, the, the last job that I had, we would have a meeting or performance review or whatever. And they would be like, well, you've sold X amount. And so, so just to give you, just to give you a perspective, when I, when I started working there, um, that was the very first kind of entry into selling online properties for this, for the station. And so my budget was half a million dollars. I think I ended up doing 750,000, which was so clearly better than the budget. And that still wasn't good enough. Mm. And it was just kind of like, well, do more with very, it wasn't a lot of support. There wasn't a lot of, I wasn't really a supportive environment. So what did you have to do? Do ads? What did you have to do exactly? Oh, so, so the way that it worked is that this radio station cluster had a number of different websites and clubs and that kind of stuff. So what I ended up doing is I would create advertising programs that would piggyback on top of radio, uh, ad buys. Mm -hmm. And so we would, for example, go into like, I don't know, a mattress manufacturer, and they would be like, well, we're going to buy this campaign on the radio for, you know, three months. And yeah. then here are some really cool online and interactive things they can add on top of that. And then we would sell all that stuff together as a package. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, so that was kind of, and that was back in 2004 or five or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, then I, then I, after that, I went on my own. Yeah. So that wasn't really uh, satisfying work. To you. Well, or did no, you enjoy the work, the, mar- the 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 sales aspect, and like the the marketing aspect of it? Or here's it, it's a it's a double edged sword. On one hand, I loved creating these campaigns and putting mm. together the the back end systems and the creative and all the rest of that kind of stuff. What I didn't like, excuse me, was that we as salespeople would go in to meet a client, mm-hmm. and let's say it's a mattress place, and it would be like, okay, so here is the campaign, the radio campaign, and here's the club, and here is the the skyscraper selection and creative and blah, 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 but without really addressing the business. So when I would look into it, I would go into those meetings, I would say, you know, we can do all this stuff, but I think you're going to get better value from fixing your website or or doing some of these other, like it was very, very early age, very, yeah. very early stages of SEO, and I would suggest those things, which didn't go over well with management because they just wanted to sell ads. And so there was this tension between this is the right thing for the yeah. client to so do, to and help then them. this is what we're trying to sell. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So you're trying and to so, trying to help people, and so, yeah, and you're not in the business of helping people. And <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, you kind of are, but it's like we have ads, so here are some ads for you. Yeah. Versus, you should really fix your website first, and then we can talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're taking more of an ethical approach, and that wasn't really. It didn't. It didn't vibe no. really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> management at the time. Yeah, but it's cool that we're talking about because um, what you're describing to me is at the core of sales. Because I right. meet a lot of entrepreneurs, and a lot of entrepreneurs listen to the show or read my articles, and or potential or people who want to start their own business. And I still notice that a lot of people feel a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to sales or feel like, oh, I don't know, that's not, you know, that's not for me. But entrepreneurship is basically a sales, being just being in sales, but working for yourself. That's it. 
it, it yeah, I mean to some degree, you know what's kind of interesting with my experience is that I've never really done much sales. Most of the work still comes my way. Um, and I think that's mostly due to the marketing and the positioning of the way that I've been able to build up my brand a little bit. Um, but there are a lot of other folks that are doing very similar things to what I do now that proactively go out and get clients and prospect and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think what it really comes down to where I got a really icky feeling with that last job was we were trying, like we were trying to sell versus we were trying to help. Mm, and so yeah. part of the reason I think I Let's, get the clients that I do now is because they know it's coming from a place of I want you to succeed versus I want to sell you something. Yeah, but that's a matter of perspective, right? Because, for right. instance, I look at sales as uh, help or uh, providing solutions or helping people. Right. And you can do that in different ways. Uh, if you just want to get a quick buck, then I don't think you, that's a sustainable strategy. You burn a lot of bridges. Exactly. So I think when you talk about entrepreneurship, I think you you ha everyone. If you want to be in business for yourself, you have to have that you know kind of sales mindset of uh, offering solutions to people's problems because that's all it is. Um, but so you went on and you 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 was uh, we were kicked out. <laughs> I was kicked out. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I started your business. Case, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the experience of that. So uh, I, w I was on vacation. While I was on vacation, I got an email from my boss who wanted to meet with me on like Wednesday or something. So I went in on Monday and I was doing stuff and I seemed like dancing around in the printer room. And and then uh, Wednesday rolls around, it's lunch, and I walk into this room and there's this other guy, I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'll just wait till you guys are done. He's like, oh, no, it's okay. Come on in. Turned out to be this guy. They flew in from uh, from this other city who was an HR director or something. And so he's like, this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation. And I was like, well, fuck. And so, so I sat there and they're like, well, we're going to terminate your position and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So, so I'm like, all right, fine. So they gave me some papers. They gave me a severance pay and all this kind of stuff. And then, um, and I'm like, well, like what, like what now what? And so they're like, well, you can leave. I'm like, okay. So I left. They, yeah. There was nobody escorting me or anything. Right. And so I left and then I'm like, when can I get my stuff? It's like, you can come tomorrow. So I'm like, okay. So I come back tomorrow. Everybody's at a sales meeting. I'm picking up my box. Yeah. And it was just, it was just a, this weird thing where, and then everybody came back. So I'm surrounded by all these people and I'm canned and I'm like taking my stuff out and everybody's like coming over and giving me hugs and all this other kind of stuff. So it was a super emotional moment, <laughs> which I thought was really weird because I'm like, usually if you get canned, they're going to get like a security guy and you know, they clear out the room so you can walk out with some dignity. <laughs> I don't know if that happens or or is it just like in the movies, right? <laughs> well, I've seen it happen before, right? We were just like, yeah. well, you're done now, so... Yeah, well, you didn't you know, do you anything bad, out, right? Can. What's that? <laughs> you didn't do anything bad, right? No, but it, yeah. it was just a weird... steal any money. It was like, super weird. Yeah, here's it was a like, security so you guard. just don't... Yeah, you just don't work here anymore, so yeah. you can go if you want. It was yeah. just a really weird experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you had that kind of uh, movie-like experience uh, the day after, where everybody uh, came, well, and gave you high fives and hugs and stuff. Well, <laughs> and that, yeah, it was, that was and another that weird thing, right? Because yeah. I mean, it was performance. It wasn't based on performance because I was consistently out, uh, like doing doing really well in terms of sales and all that kind of mm. stuff. And so, it so that was a weird thing too. Yeah. Where, like normally you create some separation, but then everybody oh. came into my office and we're we're doing all these goodbyes and all this kind of stuff. So I was yeah. like, all right. 
And so, uh, and then, and then the next day, I was like, "All right, let's go. Let's yeah. do this. Let's make it happen." So then, what? So one of the things that I, um, I think a lot of starting entrepreneurs, or not even starting, uh, I think even if you're working on your own business for years and whatever, is uh, how you get clients or how you get business, right? So what right. did you? What kind of business did you start? So it was because I was mad. I wanted to start a uh, marketing agency mm -hmm. that would go directly against people that were selling radio. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so I ended up start. I wanted to start a, building a marketing agency, you know. So I spent a little bit of time trying to cobble everything together, build a website, and start building a team, et cetera, et cetera. And in that time, I actually got contacted by somebody who was our client at the radio station, and they were looking for me specifically to help them with something. And so that was my first client. And uh, they were like, well, you know, here, I need help with this and this. I really liked working with you. And, and that's, and I, we, I put together a contract and, and off we went. Mm -hmm. So that was my first client. Um, in terms of some of the, in terms of some of the other, other clients that came, cause I didn't really know much about entrepreneurship or marketing when I first started, I went to a bunch of different networking events. And so that drummed up a little bit of business, but it was mostly, it wasn't very good business, but it was something. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, I don't like, I don't even remember. I'd have to look at my, I'd have to look at my files to see what happened. But, and then people just kind of started coming to me. Hmm. I started writing. So that was another big piece. And then, and then, you know, I was very, very early on in the ages. I think I was, I was maybe in this city, I was maybe fifth or sixth or so that started focusing on digital side of things. Hmm. And, uh, and I think that also helped being first in that field. And, and that's basically everything happens. Uh, right. That's how everything started rolling from that point forward. And how did you, um, maybe we're skip, skipping a few years, but how did you move from that uh, to um, like what you do right now with your site sure. and your podcast? So when did you have those first ideas of like, I'm going to start sharing the stuff that I've learned online? So it was a lot of, there's been a lot of evolution. So I wanted to build an agency, right? So I ended up hiring a couple of folks to to do websites and that kind of stuff. And I found that I had a really tough time uh, managing other people. And also I have really high expectations of myself. So I was projecting that onto the people that were on the team. And then I realized that it wasn't a good idea for me to have employees. So then I, I scaled back to just me. Okay. And I came across this other uh, guy whose name is Alan Weiss, who's a really uh, prominent consultant in the States. He had a yeah. book called Million Dollar Consulting. Yeah, I've read his so book. I adopt uh, yeah. Million Dollar Consulting, mm -hmm. right? And so I adopted some of those kind of practices, and he's a solo guy. So mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I can do that. And so so that was one evolution. And then I went so from how, uh, building an agency. Yeah, so I that? think that's good to just to stop a little bit because I wanted to get into uh, how you came to that conclusion because I think that's pretty interesting to just look in a mirror and say um, I, this is not what I want to do or this is not something that I'm good at so how did you come to that conclusion it was a, it was a hard decision I had a really tough time with and again the, again this is we're talking about 10 years ago right so mm -hmm. I had a really tough time communicating what I wanted with people that were working for me at the time and my level of expectations of where I want things to be is I'm a perfectionist, so I want things to be perfect. And so when we would get – so, for example, when, when uh, one of the folks that was doing web design sent me this website that we were building for a client, I had to look through the code and it had some words in Dutch. So it was essentially – kind of like these pieces of codes that were cobbled together from, from somewhere else. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not like, I don't want this. So then I would have to go back in and rework things. 
And, you know, looking back at it now, there was a failure on my part to communicate expectations and that kind of stuff. But I just took it as like, this isn't good enough. And so I, there was a couple of those kind of experiences where I said, okay, I can't be reworking after people. I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's work. And so I said that, you know, the best thing for me to do at that time would be to scale back to me. I can do things up to my expectations. Mm -hmm. And I know that what I give to a client is going to be awesome. And I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And so that was, so that was, again, you know, doing it now would probably be a little bit different. But at the time when I not knowing any better, I said, I'm going to scale back to just me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So was that a hard decision you think, or was it, did it well, feel good it after hard, you? It was a hard decision because you're like, here I am not really knowing too much about business and building businesses and that kind of stuff. I had a, I had a couple of people working for me and then I said like, you know, we're, I, I can't, like this isn't gonna, so I had to um, essentially let go of a couple of folks. So that mm. was really hard. But after, after it was over, uh, I felt good about the decision. Mm, okay. And then moving forward, you was, you wanted to say that there was a evolution to the there was Story. a lot of evolution, yeah. you know, I, it was from a marketing agency and then I got into social media and then from social media, it was digital marketing strategy, which is what I still do. And then parallel to that, I started teaching and speaking and writing. And so all of these different things just kind of started, uh, started changing. And then, um, I had a couple of interesting experiences in the last probably three or four years that have really changed my perspective on things. When I first got started, yeah. my, what I wanted to do is I wanted to make money. And so, so that was kind of driving a lot of my decisions and, and, and how things worked. And then later I realized that where I, did, I'm sorry to interrupt, but where did that come from? That, that drive to the, make money? Well, it, I was surrounded by salespeople in, in, uh, in that previous job that were making like, you know, a hundred to $250,000 and that's the culture that you're in and that's what drives everything. Hmm. And I also wanted to have things. When I, when I was, when I was getting into business, I had, I think three cars, two motorcycles. We just bought a cow house and we went on this backpacking trip through Costa Rica. So that was like at the height of my hubris yeah. where I was like, I want all the things I want to buy everything. I want to, I want to have all the things. Yeah. And then, uh, it took a few years after that to realize that that wasn't important because even all the, all the things that you have will only give you a certain amount of satisfaction. And then after that, you're just back to status quo. So if you're an unhappy person, buying more things will only hap make you happy for a few days. And then you just kind of go, go through this hedonistic adaptation as, as the, uh, as the uh, Stoics would say. And then after that, you're just like, I have three cars. Mm -hmm. The hedonic cool. treadmill, right? You experienced yeah. it. Oh, I did. <laughs> I definitely did. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then I realized that you know, uh, there, and there was another. I think it was another book, and I don't remember which one it was, but it was. He talks about the importance of time because you—that's the only resource that we can't renew. Like this moment, once it's gone, it's gone. And so, if you, if I spent all of my time trying to make all this money to buy all these things that didn't make me feel happy, then what's the point? And and then and then I started shifting. Again, how I do business and okay. what I do, and because um, you, a lot of people have that realization. Uh, I've had it as well, and I've spoken to a lot, a lot of people who you know read Seneca or you know other mm -hmm. books and that talk about time. Uh, but everyone, I think, gives it a, a different meaning or applies it differently. So, what did you do 
after you realized, all right, man, I'm I'm like just uh, buying stuff that I don't need. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to do here with you know the business or whatever. Right. Uh, time is the most important resource. And then what? What did you do? So, well, then there was a number of different things that happened. So then I started getting rid of the stuff. <laughs> was, one, <laughs> was one of the things. And then we sold. Like I had this. I had this. I had this Jeep. I had a. I had a car that I had at the time. And then I had this also 1969 uh, Grand uh, Ford Grand Torino, which I really liked. I still love classic cars. And so I just kind of started selling everything because I didn't need it. And I kept like one good thing. So I had a BMW. I had a sport bike that I was riding at the time. Um, I got rid of a bunch of other things. So I really minimized in in that sense. <clears throat> and then I also realized that the, my approach to business has also changed a little bit as well. So where I would look for working with specific kinds of people, uh, my experience starting – so right now there are a lot of resources you can go and learn about business online. You can take Udemy courses. There's tons of books. When I started, it wasn't as much, so we kind of, I kind of guessed at it. Um, I started structuring my contracts in a different way. I learned what clients not to work with. Uh, at the very beginning, I had to take on a lot of just, um, just whatever, whoever would give me work, I would just take it because it paid the bills. Yeah. And there was this one instance when uh, it was right before Christmas. It was about, I think, two or three years into, into business when I was working on two websites. And right before Christmas, both of them wouldn't pay. So one guy was, uh, you know, he was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if this is, you know, as good as I wanted. And the other guy was like, oh, this is a terrible website, blah, blah, blah. So I'm trying to get all this stuff done, and and I was coming to the point where I didn't have enough money in my bank account to pay for the mortgage payment. So I finally, and what it was, it was it was a bunch of communications issues. So for issue for one of them was there was a line inside of the website, excuse me, that I moved over by 10 pixels, and he's like, this is the best website ever. Everything is awesome. So then he paid me, and I was like, what the fuck was that? So that <laughs> that like that was an incredible amount of stress. Yeah. And the other guy, it was, it was another simple issue, but the way they were communicating was really harsh to me. Hmm. And, uh, and then after that experience and after everything got paid, I was like, I'm never doing this to myself again. I will go into credit card debt if I have to, but I will not work with a client that's going to abuse me like this. Mm. And uh, and so that was another evolution point. And so since then, you know, I suss out the clients that I work with. So we have a meeting, we have a conversation. If we share, if we share some common values, awesome. I see what they're like as a person. If anybody sends a referral to me, I always ask, are they are they good people? That's my first question. Mm. And if there's any hesitation, I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, that that reminds so, me of the uh, no asshole rule from uh, Robert Sutton. I, I recently I, wrote an article about it as well. <laughs> I haven't read the book yeah. or the article, yeah. uh, but yes, it's yeah. life is, and that was another thing. Life is too short to stress yourself out to that level where I had like stomach pains and, and couldn't sleep oh. because I was doing all this work and I wasn't getting paid for it. And I was out on my own. There's no support system. Yeah. So it was. So it was. That was a hard. That was a hard spot to, yeah. to go through. I I think uh, it's easy for, when you talk about entrepreneurship or business or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. It's always easy, and that's what we see a lot online as well, right? Uh, we see articles and books and videos and YouTube uh, videos or podcasts or whatever, and it it always goes like this. Um, I was struggling, and then I had a realization. <laughs> you know, a magic light. 
you know, turned on or whatever. And then uh, the next day I woke up and everything changed. And I'm like, that's not the way it works, man. Like most of most entrepreneurs I know, real entrepreneurs, not the people who are like the millionaires, billionaires, right? Um, I think most people uh, who are listening to this show as well, we just want to have a good quality of life. Yes. Right? And tranquility as well. No stress. Um, those things, that's what most people I speak to are striving for. Um, but I think it's always good, um, and that's what I want to do a little bit more, to stress the hard times and mm-hmm. that it's a process and you have to move, you have to go through it, right? Yes. And it's not easy. Well, the thing is, you know, if I started a business now, it would be different because I've gone through all that stuff. There's also, I read a lot of books, right? And and. And that gave me uh, that gave me some concept of wanting to start a business, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing that I've learned through through my work, so I do digital marketing consulting, right? So we do marketing strategy work, is that you can have the best plan in the world, you can have the best resources, the best data, but until the rubber hits the road, until you get friction between this is what I think the idea is and this is the reality of the real world, um, that's where you can get the insights. So that's where a lot of that kind of fail for fail fail fast and often et cetera, et cetera, really come comes from. I don't believe you have to fail, but I think it's from that friction is where the insights really come from. Is this for me? Um, if I start a business and I have to deal with people like this, are these the right people? Then you can make an adjustment. If I sell the service for two hundred dollars and my costs are one hundred and fifty, can I? Am I okay making fifty dollars for this? You know, those are all a series of a series of. Uh, real experiences and how they make you intrinsically feel that you can then make better decisions from until you have the experience. I don't think you get, I don't like theory is awesome and it's good to give you a good start. But until you feel the disappointment, the euphoria of of closing a deal, you can't really, I I think you can't really make a clear decision. And it takes a lot of time. I was recent, I was just last week, I was reading a a a post from uh, John Morrow from uh, Mm -hmm. Smart Blogger. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I I think he's really cool. I I like his work uh, a lot. And he was like in a blog post uh, that was, you know, about making a lot of money uh, with your blog, but he was really honest and he was like, I've never met, or I've never worked with someone who learned to make this amount of money um, within three years. So it takes you at least mm. three years to learn how to do it, who, uh, you know, start a profitable, profitable blog and just make real good money off of it. And three years, if you use it really well, right? Even if you use it really well, and you work on it every day, that's a long time. It is. It's an investment. It's it's uh it's not it's a it's a and the the other thing that, that I found is that it'll test you. Mm. So it will test your resolve to say that if I want to be an entrepreneur, and then you get that first disappointment, the one pe- one person that doesn't pay, another person that's an asshole to you, another person that's super awesome and you love working with them, and then you have to figure out a system, and then your software fails. It's all that stuff, and then yeah. do you have the f- fortitude, I guess, to keep going? Like, is this is this what you thrive off of, or is this going to crush you in the end? Because if it's going to crush you, then it might not be worth it. I think there's a lot of people that are hopping into our entrepreneurship thinking it's this like magical fairyland where everything's going to happen. And oh. then and then they get disappointed. So then you have to make a decision. Is this something that I want? Will I keep going? Or 
is this maybe not right for me at this time and I'll just get a job and be safe and secure mm-hmm. in some capacity and then try it again later or try to side project. Yeah. And yeah. that's totally fine. There's no, there's, it's yeah. not like it's, that's not wrong at all. Yeah. I think to, when I look at myself as well, sometimes when you try certain things and they don't work out, um, your initial thought is like, ah, oh, fuck this, you know, like, who cares? I'm just going to quit. And that's because yep. it's hard. And I think we all experience it. I experience it. And I'm really open about it. So um, I think we have to just also, and I, that's why I journal a lot, right. is understand uh, what am I feeling? Like, what, like, why am I, why do I want to quit? Do I really want to quit? Or is this just out of, you know, emotion or maybe a few things didn't work out? But yes. at the same time, I also think you have to be really honest as well and say, maybe I've I've been doing something for five years or even one or two years. Let's say when I started the blog, I told myself and I wrote this down. I was like, dude, if you don't get, if you get zero traction within a year, this is not for you. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you need some, a little bit, you need some feedback. So I didn't want to have 10 million readers in one year or whatever. I just want to have a few. Right. And I think if if you're not able to do one thing for uh, do you know on a very small scale, then I would say personally this is not the time or I need some other skills, I need to develop mm-hmm. a little bit more, need maybe some other experiences, travel or whatever it is and well, then come the back. O- the other thing that I would say is there are some people like for example my wife is not an on- my wife is not entrepreneurial, mm. but she loves working with her company. They have an amazing culture and she loves it and she helps a ton of people and she gets joy out of it. And to me I didn't like I was like why would you do that? Why would you start your own business? And uh, she loves it, and now I get it. And so there are yeah. some people that work really well in that kind of an environment. So if they're happy and you get joy, then do that. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be an entrepreneur at all. Oh. You can be a part-time entrepreneur and have a side side project yeah. to, to kind of get the kicks from that and still have the security of working for it. So there, there are different yeah. ways to do it. And I think that one of the issues that we face a lot was, was we don't give ourselves permission. We, it's either you're an entrepreneur or you're not. And uh, I think giving permission to yourself to say that maybe this isn't for me and that's okay. Or yeah. if it is for me, I'm going to do it a little bit. And then maybe if it grows, awesome. If it doesn't grow, great. I got my jollies out of it. And that's also yeah. okay. Yeah. And so do, do you have uh, side projects for yourself? Man, for- all I have is side projects. <laughs> uh, that's a good way to look at it. All side projects <laughs> from one big project. <laughs> So uh, for me, it was interesting, you know, for the last 10 years, I've built up this consultancy and I've done a lot of work. So I've done some speaking and teaching and and, uh, and consulting work. And last year, I actually stopped taking on clients uh, in order to create space for me to launch projects to see, can I actually do this to test myself? Mm. So one of those was a podcast conference that I ran earlier this year, and that worked out really well. I'm running it in, in a different city next year. So that's awesome. I have two other projects that I want to run. So one is this, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, I call, I call it analog camp. And what it is, it's a three day retreat for professionals and entrepreneurs who want to disconnect and spend some time working on their most important stuff. Mm. So if that works, awesome. So it's basically a collection of yeah. these different side projects that I want to, that I want to test myself with. You, you just disconnected yourself, right? I did it a couple of times yeah. now. 
Yeah. Um, I did a I did a week without TV news or social media, mm. and just a couple of weeks ago, I went to uh, I I went to this little uh, place in 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 British Columbia in Canada that was pretty far away from I shouldn't it's not far we're not talking like desert but yeah. it was like on a mountain there's a city that was about thirty minutes away that had ten thousand people so not very big, and uh, and I'm finding that disconnecting is giving me a lot of productivity and creativity increases, which is interesting for somebody who works in, in this digital marketing space. So did you go with your wife or? So the, this one, I just went with my dog. It was just me. It was just me and, and jazz and my wife held down the fort with our daughter here in, uh, here in this town, which was like without her, I, I could not have done it. So that was awesome to have her support. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was good to, to kind of be, it was, it's good to be alone. Mm. I uh, I really and maybe it's just the introvert in me. But, yeah, well, but I, I know like people. Alone. I know people. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I know people who can't be alone for one minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, my wife is kind of similar to that. She's like, yeah. I want to be around people. So yeah. when we plan our trips, yeah. uh, we have to kind of balance being in the city and me just being away from civilization, where I where I just don't see anyone for a few hours. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I like um, I like. I like being alone for a little while. I think it allows me to think, and especially if I'm disconnected, uh, you lower the inputs that you have coming into your mind in order to create some space for yourself to think about things. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I have, I've never been on like um, days of disconnecting. I do disconnect right. often uh, like for one day, but that's, you know, the maximum. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe even a weekend, but... Um, I've never been like I say, oh man, I'm gonna go to this place and I'm just gonna like Henry David Thoreau in Walden, great. right? <laughs> yeah. And this and this place where I went to just happened to be in a lake as well, so that was great. <laughs> yeah. Did you build your own cabin as well? Or? I didn't. I stayed in a cabin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> I think if if that's something that it, I kind of does it is it a little bit same experience as meditation for you or? Uh, so I do meditate, mm. and uh, I've been a Zen practitioner on and off for you know like six or seven years or so. Um, I would say that it's different. So one of the things that that so meditation the way it does in in this practice that I practice is like you sit there, and you don't have an intent. You you just you just sit there. So zazen means just sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, with some of these disconnect times. So the first time I did it was five days, no TV because I found it that it had a lot of negative. Like it would suck up time. Netflix yeah. news because it's like everybody's gonna die all the time. So it would make it was making me anxious and depressed. <laughs> Social media because it was really easy to. You know, I'm writing an article and then I alt tab into Chrome and I check out Twitter. And next thing you know, it's half an hour later and then I have to go back and it takes me another 20 minutes to get back into it. So a huge loss of time. So that, those five days, I did a whole log about it and I wrote down everything I felt. By day three, I didn't miss it. And I noticed I was able to crunch through all of the projects that I had in the first three days of being disconnected, mm. which normally would have taken like a week or two weeks. So the time savings were huge. It also allowed me to reconnect with my family a lot more because you just don't turn on the TV. There's no Netflix. You don't have an option to go on social or whatever else. There's no Instagram, no Facebook, no Twitter, no nothing. So it's you kind of shift into a different mode of thinking. The second trip, 
was I, I allowed myself to be on social to kind of check in and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a different experience. I did manage to read four books in five days, which was great. Oh, nice. But at the same time, it still kept it kept that underlying kind of le- level of anxiousness just by being exposed to all of the inputs. Yeah. And so now I have an A-B test. Like I know how I felt the yeah. first time and I know how I felt the second time. So next time I do this, no social. Mm, so your main goal to do these um, you know, digital detox trips is so, to uh, be more productive? It, so on one hand, to be more productive, and on the other hand is to is to generate some kind of a breakthrough. So for example, for the second one, I really wanted to work on my brand. So I read uh, I read books that, that were on that topic. And so when you don't have anything else to, to get into your mind, such as podcasts or whatever else, then all you do is you can you can stew on that for longer which then extends your focus even on a subconscious level to come up yeah. with new creative ideas. Mm, yeah, I think it's great to, um, for instance, because a lot of us have similar goals, right? So we uh, we want to be more productive. We want to get breakthroughs or, you know, work on our ideas or, you know, uh, get some tranquility, uh, refocus. And yeah. you can do that in many, many different ways. And one of the things that I sometimes find is that some people say oh you have to meditate or you have you need morning rituals or you need to wake up at 5 a.m or you need to disconnect for two weeks or you need to do those things to be honest i don't think you need to do anything you just need to find something right for yourself that achieves that goal and I think it's also – so first of all, you don't have to meditate. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah. I 100% agree. But I think it's good to test things to so can see what works oh, yeah. for you. And then second of all, if you journal just so to reflect because yeah. I find uh, uh, you know, um, up until I did that detox there. So there was a few different things that happened at the same time. But I didn't I, – I, I, I would reflect kind of. But I didn't really spend time thinking about what's what I'm experiencing, mm-hmm. and that can give you some really clear guidance of where to invest your effort. Yeah, so, for yeah. example, journaling at the end of the day, awesome. There's this book I don't have it here. It's called Designing Your Life that I'm reading right now and going through. And one of the exercises is this essentially an energy journal. So, you know, today I did this. I did these five things, and here's how engaged I was, here's how, uh, you know, that allowed me to express my creativity or whatever else, and here's if I experienced flow. So by having that data after two weeks, you're like, oh, well, this is how I get breakthroughs. Or not using my phone for a day allowed me to do this, this, and this, so therefore I can then start implementing that moving forward. So those kind of things can really really help. Yeah, I think reflecting is such a, so important, I think, if you want to... uh, just live a happy and satisfied and, you know, meaningful or whatever you want to call it. Just a, a good life. Uh, and I've tr- experimented with this as well. Um, I've had, for instance, I was like a few months ago, I was like, I'm going to try uh, to stop journaling for a little while and see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. And now I've reflected again because <laughs> about a month ago I was like, I'm just doing a lot of stuff and I have no idea what I'm doing at the moment. Because yep. I, after a while, I felt like I'm, I was losing a little bit of control. And uh, I would say I'm kind of a, you know, a control freak. I am. Um, yeah, but same here. <laughs> <laughs> that's also not great. It comes with a beard, I yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> so because that's also not great because the reason I wanted to try that is because you, you also have this philosophy of 
just going with the flow and just saying like you know the movie yes man right <laughs> just saying yes to everything okay. um, but just going with the flow so that's also a strategy but i think the most important thing is the only way you can find out found out uh, find out is to to do it yourself and to me for me it didn't work right now so I, when i started journaling again and i've been right. doing that again really intensively um, just you know pages every day and digitally and on my notepad or whatever uh, both i just in the morning throughout the day in the evening constantly just thinking just writing what i what i've done what i've learned what i'm reading um, all the variables because the way that i use my journal often as well is like i think to, to uh, back to a time that i was really productive or felt really good and i just right. go back to my journal and i'm like oh i'm this was going on at that time. So was, do you add little notes to say that, you know, today I worked on this book for 30 minutes in the morning after a coffee and you put a little mark on there saying like this was awesome or, or something? Well, I just write down everything I do. And I also write down that I, how I feel, right? Okay. I was like, all right, I did, I did this and this. I feel uh, this today was a really good day. I feel, you mm. know, satisfied. I was productive today. Um, and then all I do is when I look back, I'm like, all right. I wrote down, I felt good, and I'm, and I look at that day. Oh, I went to the gym. Um, right. I took about two hours to read or whatever. Um, I wrote a little bit. Um, I had dinner with my family or whatever, right? And yeah. then I just recreate those things again because happiness is pretty simple, right? And it's almost, it's almost like you're running a, a scientific experiment to say that, here's what I did and here's how it made me feel. So I have a data point. And then mm. the next day I did all of these things and here's how it made me feel. So you have another data point and you can compare. I think it's, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of us just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and it's just like, oh. you know, it's like, well, today is Tuesday. So let's do all of these things. Oh, tomorrow is Wednesday. Well, let's do the same things yeah, without exactly. really taking the time to see like, well, what worked and what didn't work. And I think in the moment journaling at the end of the day, I think is a really smart idea. Um, I started using the five minute journal. Mm. So I have a, uh, I have a, I had a bunch of different journals, man. And so it was, for me, it was all over the place. I have one here that I keep on the side of my desk where I did a bunch of like random journaling here of different ideas mm. and, and all that kind of stuff and some sketches and whatever else. Oh, and then, uh, I find the five minute journal gives me the form and the structure. It's super easy. It takes five minutes. And, um, I really, so that's what I'm using to get me back into journaling again. Mm. So it's a, it's a really interesting little book that these guys created. And I think the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get back into energy journaling. So I'm going to say like, you know, when, when I experienced something that felt really good, plus mm. something that didn't feel really good, minus. And then if you have a log of that, you can make better decisions. Yeah, you can you can always create your own system. I think that's what sticks uh, best. Yeah. If you create your own because <laughs> you can copy a lot of stuff. But, mm. you know, when I, when I do my productivity course, I'm like, I'm not teaching you, you know, take a cold shower or, <laughs> right, wake up at five. I'm basically sharing all the tools and strategies that I've used to create my own system. Mm. And a lot of times people don't know what those tools are or what those strategies are. For instance, the journal is perfect. Um, but if you use those tools to create your own system, I think that will uh, last a lot longer. Uh, the best thing is if it lasts forever, right? It, ideally, yes. But I think also at the same time, a lot of people, including myself, I need I need a framework to start from because if mm, I don't yeah. know where to start and if you're like – so for example, the five-minute journal, it's literally uh, like three things you write in the morning and two things you write in the evening. 
done. Like I have, and if I build a habit, then I can kind of modify it later. Yeah. It's almost like one of those things where you have to learn the rules in order to break them. Yeah. So learning a framework and then okay, well, I'm going to tweak it for me and then experiment from there is is a really good approach. So what are some uh, like things that you currently do that uh, help you could become really productive? For for example, um, right now what I started recently is every morning I wake up and I read a little bit of uh, meditations from Marcus Aurelius. Okay. Yeah. And I just, that's the first thing that I do in the morning. I just open it on a random page and I just read something and then I continue reading. It just takes a few minutes till I find something. Oh, this is what I'm focused on right now. Okay. And then I just uh, write it uh, down in my journal. So I just write it uh, the same thing. I just copy it okay. in my journal. And I find that that really gets me uh, focused and not uh, stressful and worried because I had a lot of stuff going on le- in the last few months. And yeah. I think if you, if I, you know, reset myself every morning and get focused on what I'm trying to do and like, and remind myself like nothing's going to happen, right? You'll be fine. <laughs> the world's not Unless going to end. there's a nuclear war or yeah, something exactly. else like yeah. that, you know, it's yeah. all good. Yeah, so I found meditation such a great book. And so I was like, you know, why am I not reading it even more? Right. If it helps me. So do you have something that you've been doing like recently or you think, you know, so, this is something really cool? So as a, as a result of um, of those two detoxes, I've, I, there's a certain there's a, there were certain commonalities that I found. So here's what I try to do. So uh, in the morning, we all get up. So my, my And then with our daughter, it's a whole kerfuffle to get her to daycare and all that kind of stuff. When everybody's gone out of the house, so I work from home most of it, most days, mm-hmm. I sit down, I do my five-minute journal. Then I will either start working immediately for a two-hour block. Mm-hmm. So I found that um, um, there's a lot of benefits to blocking out time. And I found that for me, my creative time is in the morning. And so if I can block out those two hours to do writing, writing, uh, planning, branding work, whatever, strategy work. And then after that, I've done the hard part for the day. Then I can do other things. So that that's kind of like the the main part of it is is separating that time out for yourself. So somebody else coined it uh, paying yourself first, mm. which is what I really like. So paying yourself first in financial terms, like you take 10% of your salary and you set it aside for savings. Taking the first hour or two hours of the day when you first get started is investing in yourself. And so I really, really like that idea. So that's one of the things that I've adopted. And then the other thing that I struggle with sometimes that I'm now reinstating is I want to separate out um, a specific two times to do all of the social media and email work. Hmm. Um, to So I, I don't feel – there's a lot of FOMO that happens. Hmm. I'm not sure – like this fear of missing out. So usually what I do is I wake up first thing in the morning. I turn on my phone. I see like, oh, check Twitter, check Instagram, check Facebook, check email. And so I've started uh, putting my phone away so I don't have access to that. Yeah. So I don't start off my day on this like anxious ridden note. And then once I do my creative block, then I check in. Mm. And then, you know, the world isn't on fire. Nothing's going to happen in, in those two hours. And then and then you can start off with the day. So I find it. So that practice has um, lowered my anxiety levels quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that big impact. Yeah, I think those things are. I've I've tried those things as well. I think it's really important to have that, you know, focus in the morning, right? Because it impacts the rest of your day, man. 
Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, right? And, yeah. and so what happens is that the first thing that your mind experiences in the morning kind of frames up your day. Yeah. So if you go on, if you open up Twitter and you're like, well, yeah. you know, U.S. and North Korea are engaging in nuclear war, you're like, well, well, fuck, you know, it's like, yeah. so then what's the yeah. point of doing anything for the rest of the day? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. But the, the thing is also, by the way, that just came up to me is that I've been seeing a lot of anti-productivity uh, and anti-self-help and anti-morning uh, rituals and all those things coming up as well. That's a new um, trend now. Movement. Yeah, so that, that's kind of a movement. I think uh, like, like Mark Manson started it, right, with his book, the uh, what's it called? Art of Self. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people are copying it. They, they're like, oh, man, that kind of uh, negative way or like an anti Self-help or anti-productivity help uh, is something that people can relate to. So I've been seeing a lot of people, they're saying, oh, man, productivity tips, no one gives a shit. I wake up in the morning, I just look at Twitter, I watch the news, uh, <laughs> I just sleep in, I just snooze. And I'm like, come on, man, you can't just tell people to do that, right? That's... <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous unless you're independently wealthy it's, it's exactly a yeah yeah <laughs> and that's always that, like, those people go... right really wealthy and they're like of course yeah, you don't like, give a shit <laughs> or, or it's one of those like just sitting here in front of my lamborghini that i just bought yeah man. <laughs> it's so ridiculous man. and i and the, the most the saddest thing is like, if people believe it because i look at it and i'm like no man i know what it is to just struggle and just try to run a business and do all those things and Right. You, know, you have a kid, people have kids, have jobs. Uh, I think it's pretty disrespectful. I, I think so. I read I read that book, actually, when I was on, was on my break, and it was on recommendation. There was a, quite a few people that recommended it. Mm. I think the message is uh, it's not so much anti-productivity, in my opinion. No, I think I'm not it's talking more about that. Like, I'm talking more about uh, he made a he had a big hit, a big success. And I think I, I read some of the book as well. I think, I think it's a great book. All of the yeah. points are great, and I really like Mark's work. But I'm thinking, I was saying a lot of people look at that success and they be oh, like, oh, I'm okay. going to try that same strategy right. on a lot of other things like productivity, right? I, I, You know, there's no better way than that friction, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Try it. If it works, awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. If you're somehow able to make money out of thin air, super yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. If you see that productivity is the way to go, then do what's right for you. Yeah. Um, oh, well, that's true as well. One other thing that I'm going to mention is, and and I'm kind of curious what your take on this is, because we talked about last time a little bit about this. Um, in this book that I'm reading, Designing Your Life, it, it's these two design thinking professors from Stanford that teach this to their students and mid-career people and, and encore career professionals. And one of the things that they talk about is this idea of wayfinding. So one of the things that I do is I pick a goal for myself. And then I move toward like single track mind, nothing else matters, no distractions, it's just that, that one thing. And as I've gotten older, uh, one of the challenges that, that I've faced is that, is that the right thing? You know, is that goal the right goal? So I had a goal of making a certain amount of money and when I reached it, nothing changed. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, and so, so that kind of gave me some different perspective on things. So now I, I have a really tough time choosing which direction to go in. And what these guys suggest yeah. is that you prototype and you move a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. So it's like instead of going from here to Netherlands, you go from here to the U.S. and then see how that feels. And then from the U.S. to, you know, Mexico, see how yeah. that feels. And so something those like, like that's maybe a bad analogy. Well, no, but it's like just, making small moves. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I really like that idea. Yeah.
and enjoying the enjoying the journey. I don't enjoy mm. the journey, man. Like mm. for me, it's like I know what I want and I want to get there no matter what as yeah. fast as possible. So what? Like how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, I I, I what you just described. Uh, I've learned that as well over the last years of reading. I think a lot of uh, books and people. I think the basic idea comes also from Zen, right? Just enjoying the process. And right. there, there is no goal. There is no end goal, right? The journey is the destination. And it has become quite cheesy, I think. But uh, a lot of cheesy things and cliches are obviously cliches for a reason. But um, I, 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 like, I really like that idea of just moving step by step. And to be honest, I've, when I look at myself, I have never had really big goals to begin with. I've never had like, I want to make a million bucks or whatever. So I am i don't know if I'm the right person to, because I've always been more like a little bit laid back and I, just enjoying my life, you know? Uh, I've never had, I was never in a rush. So when I was, a, I'm always in a rush. You know, <laughs> when I was always a, like, we're all going to die. I'm going to die. I need to do all these things. Yeah. This is the time that we have. <laughs> when I was in college, I was like, you know, I was just, want to get my degree and then after that i'll see whatever and then you know started a business and in the beginning it worked out but then it didn't and i got a job and i was like this is not for me and i'm just gonna try something else but i, I for years i wasn't really sure you know what what my goal was until yeah. i was like there is no goal right and so what do, like what like why do you do anything now then to enjoy myself Okay. <laughs> and that see that's the kind of thing that I think is really important for a lot yeah. of people to that are that are very sort of like highly driven and stuff so it's like yeah. I need to move to, like I need to move as fast as possible. Yeah. And so when I hear somebody like you who's just like you know everything is great I just like I just do this thing and yeah. then it works out. Yeah, and I tried does. this other thing and it yeah. didn't work out and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Meanwhile I'm like oh my god how are you doing that? Yeah. So one thing that I cuz I'm on the other side of the spectrum like I I I just always took it too easy really really Next, and uh, that that has worked out for me. But uh, recently, uh, last awesome. last year, especially last year, I was like, okay, um, I'm really enjoying this, um, being really productive and doing a lot of things, and I want to get even better at what I do. And when I was speaking to Ryan Holiday recently, um, mm. I I was really questioning him about like his mindset because to me it was interesting to see so, like i was like you have a really high standard for your life everything he does right. is you know on, on the highest level his books are all bestsellers every everything that he not, not not everything that he does he's honest about that as well but if he does something that's what he said he he wants to do it great or not yeah. at all yeah. and i think that's a great mindset so to me, also that that mindset shifts you from goals as well because you just focus on getting really good at your craft or skills and developing skills. And I, if you can get enjoyment out of that process, I think why do you even need a goal then? Well, I think that's a big shift to make because, like for me, I if I was in those shoes, I I want to have a bestseller. Mm -hmm. versus I really enjoy writing and then if it happens to be a bestseller that's awesome and so I think making that kind of shift for a lot of entrepreneurs is also really important yeah. I think if you are kind of like a driven personality where you know I want to get to there and to make the switch from I really enjoy help working with this client and building the strategy and getting joy out of that mm -hmm. that's the 
honestly, I think that's the better way to go. I think I've stressed myself out way too much. Uh, striving to get to a goal versus enjoying the process of getting there. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I still struggle with. And I'm still trying to kind of get some, uh, wrap my mind around it. Yeah. So how, what do you think uh, will happen now? Because you, uh, you read the book and you went on a retreat, <laughs> right? So, well, so what changes are you, uh, do you think you're going to apply? So from this point forward, um, one of the things that I, I've, I've always tried to simplify things, that's kind of the way, generally the way my mind works. I try to simplify things and minimize things, but at the same time, I have all these random side projects and interests. So those two things are now coming to a head, where I think I'm at a point in my life where I need to make some decisions in order to focus on a few things rather than trying to do everything. And, and uh, so that's the process where I'm in right now. What I think I'm going to do is I'm going to focus in on my uh, on my marketing consulting work that I do, but make it with a twist on it. I'm going to, I'm, I recently bought a domain called minimalmarketer.com. So that's mm -hmm. where I'm going to move all of my frameworks and everything else that I've built. Mm -hmm. So you can, eventually people will be able to go there to just download like the world. And I'm also building the world's shortest content marketing, uh, course soon. Okay. I'm going to do that next month. It's going to be like 15 minutes, everything you need to know about content marketing. Look and, forward. um, yeah. so that's one thing. And the other thing is I really enjoy, uh, pulling people together for unique events. So so those are the two things that I'm going to focus on from this point forward. So one is still going to be this consulting work, and the other one is going to be these, uh, I need an umbrella that that's going to fit, mm. you know, yeah. podcast conference, retreats, that kind of stuff. And so for professionals that want to develop themselves professionally beyond money and that kind of stuff, this is going to be for them. So people that are in a similar spot. I owned a bunch of stuff. I don't want a bunch of stuff, but I want to develop myself. I'm going to go to there. Mm. So that's the kind of thing I want to build. So did you set goals? <laughs> um, <laughs> Trick you question. You know what? Uh, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to go through that wayfinding route yeah. of moving like, you know, one step forward. So, mm. so that's where I'm at right now. I do have uh, – I'm still trying to clarify what those goals are going to be. And that – the other so, – so here's the other thing, like to kind of pull back out of this. Dealing with ambiguity and being comfortable in confusion and the fog is a huge skill set for entrepreneurs and professionals because that mm -hmm. allows you to be comfortable in a situation that is not comfortable. And so for me, not having a clear goal is not comfortable. And so by stewing in that, I think hopefully it'll build up some a little bit of resilience and then I can I can make the bet I can make the next best move and then be okay with that. Because as an entrepreneur, your business will have to change in, throughout the years. Like right now, we have artificial intelligence, we have automation, we have uh, we have a lot of robotics, we have a lot of different things that are going to completely shift the way the business is done. And so, if you're stuck in a certain way, you're not going to be able to adopt or to adapt to the to these new realities. Mm -hmm. And so, you have to be able to live in that confusion, in that in that fog, and then make the next best move from there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a skill set that uh, that I'm going to be working on for for this year for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's one of my priorities as well. Ways to just get uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. And mm. you were recently talking about the book. Uh, what was it called? The Stanford. Uh... Oh, it's called Designing Your Life. Yeah, so designing your life. So um, you were talking about just moving step by step. Wayfinding, they call it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, to me, uh, a while back, I wrote about getting out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that drawing, right? Here's, like, here's your comfort zone and here's magic. Right. 
right? I, I never understood that drawing. I was like, what kind of magic are we talking about? Because every time I stepped out of my comfort zone really badly, I went, you know, flat on my face. I was like, this is, <laughs> this sucks. And, um, and of, yeah, of course you have to, I think you have to challenge yourself. Because uh, if you are completely comfortable with everything that's going on in your life, that is also, I, I look at myself, if I, I've been there as well. When I had those moments, I was like, nothing is going on. Mm. And when it, when nothing is going on, you're not moving forward. And life is uh, is about moving forward, in my opinion. So if you're not moving forward, then, you know, what what is What's there? The point? Yeah. Um, I, I had a... So it's it's interesting when when it comes to comfort zones, I find that it by doing things that are out of your comfort zone, it builds up a resilience, mm -hmm. so that you can be more comfortable when things change. So for example, by for example, going rock climbing and having the experience of never having done it before, and then there's the danger of falling off and that kind of stuff, or going whitewater kayaking, or taking a course in improv comedy or something else like that, it builds up uh, a resilience muscle so that, for example, if AI comes on board and you happen to have a marketing consulting company, completely wipes out everything that you do, because you've built up that resilience in other areas of your life, you'll be able to say like, okay, this is what happened. Here's how I'm going to adjust myself to this new reality. And I think that's a really important muscle to kind of build up in as, a, as an entrepreneurial skill set for sure. Yeah, and, and I, I like to do that just, step by step just doing things that are uncomfortable every day just just small things you know making a call you don't like or right to me for instance uh, the reason i started this podcast as well is just because that is when i thought about it, it was making me a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> of just scheduling things and i was like oh, i don't want to do it <laughs> i don't want to talk to strangers right <laughs> and now that i'm doing it i'm starting to enjoy it every time a bit more yeah and in that it's i don't know i don't know if it's a skill set but that software that you just installed by going through this process also applies to everything else that you do as well mm. yeah. i think that's that's an awesome like that's an awesome awesome skill set to have especially yeah, for entrepreneurs exactly so um what's next for you with uh with the podcast uh, i was uh you were talking about a few other projects so that's what you're moving towards I did. So yeah. the next things for me are going to be one of the things I wanted to clarify by the end of this month is I went through building a story brand, which is a book by Donald Miller. And he's also got a podcast, which is really awesome. And so uh, I went through the book and I'm going through the process of now clarifying my own brand and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be step number one. Uh, step number two is I want to build a couple of really cool events. So one of them was this campfire chat with marketers to have a really uh, blunt talk about where things are going. I think a lot of people aren't talking about the changes that AI automation is going to bring and how many people are going to be left without jobs and how that's going to change the the industry. So I want to have a really, I want to have an event, private event for that. Then there's going to be this retreat that I'm going to build. So those are, those are some of the mm -hmm. things that are happening on that front. Um, and when it comes to the, when it comes to the podcast, I've waffled Mm. I've waffled with changing the name. I waffled <laughs> with stopping it and yeah. like all of rebranding yeah. it, changing so why did like you think, all of these things. Why did you think about, why did you think about stopping it? Um, because, okay, so this is my sixth podcast. Mm. So I've had five previous to this that I've stopped and killed. And I, I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I lose steam midway. And there is something that a friend of mine told me is that well, what would happen if you stuck with it? 
And if you look at the the book called The Dip that Seth, Seth yeah. Godin talks about, we usually hit at the bottom. <laughs> we usually so so where is it? okay yeah. so if you start here right and then so you're grabbing things are going the book awesome, now? everything is great and then you go through and then you go through the bottom part where things are maybe not so great maybe it doesn't yeah. feel that great uh, maybe yeah. you've lost some customers maybe yeah. you lost some drive but the success only happens at the other end of the curve mm-hmm. right so I'm now okay so this is what I kind of expected from the podcast but I'm going to reinvest back into it to make it really good and, and to get, make it really valuable for the listeners. So I'm kind of, um, so that's another thing that I'm learning, I guess now is, is to, what would it be like to, to stick with this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we're I'm going about, to, yeah. What's that? Uh, well, we were talking about it earlier about, um, entrepreneurship and what came up to me, what I wanted to share as well is, uh, maybe now's a better time, but I think a big part of success, or I think, you know, the, uh, the biggest part of success is about, perseverance because most people quit before they even come close to you know making it or whatever it is that you're trying to do right uh, write a, a best-selling book or but most of us we just quit right before that moment and i've done that previously and so i was i was so the previous I think it's second or second last podcast. So I was getting like three to four downloads an episode. Sorry, three to four thousand downloads per episode. And then I dropped the ball a couple of times. It went down to five hundred. Then it went down to fifty. And then I quit. Hmm. And I could have, I could have, you know, kind of made the decision to keep going with it. Could have built it back up. Yeah. And so in this instance, I'm making the decision not to quit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through the dip on yeah, the other exactly. side of the but it's about <laughs> consistency as well like what you said uh, i've noticed as well i, I tried uh, when i was busy last two months or so working on you know uh, a family business i was like i'm gonna spend a little bit uh, less time on my blog and right. what you see is if you because if i publish two articles a week i just get way more visitors on my blog and that's basically simple math because if you publish eight articles in a month there's a chance there's one of them that will do well but if you publish three or four or maybe one or two there's a chance you'll hit one successful article in a year right right that was uh that's a tough lesson to learn yeah it's it's that it's that quantity breeds quality sometimes as well because if Mm -hmm. you look at all of the patents that some people have made. Uh, Tim Ferriss got rejected. I don't know how many times for his first book. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like it was like you just need one. Mm-hmm. But to get to that one, you need to create a qua- like a quantity yeah. of yeah. fifteen or twenty or different ones. So I think that's a really good point, and that's something I've really challenged myself on yeah. as well. Uh, really good point. I mean, at the end of the day, if your one business doesn't work, tweak it. Then it becomes mm-hmm. your next business, yeah. and you tweak it until you find success. And you can just. Uh come back, right? I can just go right back and start publishing two articles again. And then within a few weeks or maybe a few months, you'll get back to the same level. So that's why I'm never afraid. I'm like, you know, I'm in this thing. I've decided to do this for the long term, right? So I'm not going to quit next year or so. So if you look at things in in, in, in like over a decade and like, all right, so what if one or two months weren't that great? Or if I didn't publish that many articles, so what? I'll just, you know, come back and do more podcasts or do more articles. 
in the future. Well, people that are people that are successful have longer horizons. If you look at Warren Buffett, he's not looking to turn a profit in a year. He's looking at like yeah. I'm going to buy this, I'm going to hold it. Yeah. And so so that's another really important point is that, you know, your your horizon is longer so you can navigate your way there. And if you may, you have a couple of flops, that's okay. If you look at like 500 articles, if 400 of them failed but 100 gave you that book deal and all those really amazing things, totally worth it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that yeah. it's those scales of difference that that we don't often think about as entrepreneurs as well. You yeah. lose one deal, but that's not gonna, that's not going to sink your business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great uh, place to, you know, leave the listener with and just make sure that you and I and uh, everyone else who's listening just try to move forward, right? Cuz we all know it's not easy, but <laughs> at the end of the it's day, it's worth it. Exactly. It is. So uh, it was great talking to you, man. It was really good to catch up. I I I love this. I always love hearing your take on things. I think that uh, you know, you being so relaxed and also having all the success with all these other things that you've done, I think is is just fantastic. It's like it, your relaxedness relaxes me, and I, and I feel <laughs> after we do, after we're done talking, I just feel better about myself. So it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I have the same feeling. You know, it was it was good to talk, and it, these things are. Uh, I hope for the listener as well, because that's by the way. I'm just conti- <laughs> I'm continuing. I just wanted to <laughs> close this thing off, but. Uh, people who email me, um, I've, I've had a few people emailing saying, saying, you know, I really uh, enjoyed it. You at the beginning of the podcast of my solo podcast, I'm like, hey, how's it going? Right. And I'm just saying, hey, how's it going? And and one uh, listener was like, in the beginning, he said, I thought it was ridiculous because I can't answer back. But after a few times, he was like, oh, this is really cool because I can think about myself and like, oh, how am I doing? Yeah. Right. So it just just relaxes you a little bit, and just think. And he said, when you ask a question, he he thought to himself, "Oh, my life is actually pretty good. You know, I can't yeah. complain." So, as long as you're above that fifty-one percent mark, you're all good. Yeah. Man. <laughs> all right. So, what's the uh, what's the best place for people to connect, or if they want to learn more about your work, or yeah, so you can go to ErnestBarbaric.com, so E-R-N-E-S-T-B-A-R-B-A-R-I-C.com. That's my website. That's kind of the home uh, the home for everything else. You can find me on iTunes at The Art of Meaningful Work or on Twitter at eBarbaric. More than happy to connect with anyone. Any questions, uh, suggestions, advice, all that kind of stuff, more than happy to connect with uh, all, all of your listeners and, and watchers. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for being on the show and uh, take care. Yeah, of course. Talk to you soon.